Well, good morning, Mercy Road Church. It's so uh, great to be with you today. I'm honored to share in this series. My name is Chad Lunsford, and I'm the pastor of Echo Church over in Avon. And uh, we are a Multiply Indiana church, which means uh, Mercy Road has been a part of us since the beginning. We're uh, three years old, my wife, Katie, and uh, our kids and a team. We started uh, Echo Church just about three years ago, and Pastor Josh uh, asked me to come and speak to you all today. And I said, absolutely. I'd love to get back up there. It's been a little bit of time since we've been over here on the north side. So honored to be with you today. And uh, listen, you should know this. Like, we love your staff. We love your team. Uh, we love your pastors, Josh and Lisa. You guys have world-class leaders. And so I wonder if you'll just join me for a second in giving some honor to Pastor Josh and Lisa. You can do it right here in person, online. Come on. Thank them. You guys are led by a wonderful wonderful team. You have an absolutely incredible team. You should know this as well about yourselves. Uh, Mercy Road, you guys have a reputation here in the state of Indiana, uh, but, but take heart. It's a great reputation. You guys are known for just being radically generous. I love sharing the Mercy Road story. Uh, when I'm with pastors and other church leaders, church planners uh, all over the country, I'll talk about Mercy Road and all that you guys are doing and uh, all that you have done, all that you're <laughs> planning to do. Listen, this is just an incredible church, and uh, I'm so honored to take part with you today. Your, your reputation is also uh, that you'll do whatever it takes to, to build the kingdom of God here uh, on earth. A case in point, uh, at Echo Church over in Avon, we've been uh, on line since March. Of course, we were initially kicked out of our auditorium. We meet in a school there on the west side. Uh, and then as we were getting ready to move back in, uh, our school let us know they're actually going to be doing significant renovations in uh, the auditorium that we meet in. So we've stayed online. We're getting ready to meet back in person here in just a couple of weeks. But we haven't had a place to record our worship services. So our band uh, has been coming up here on the north side of town uh, every now and then and recording on this stage. When we had a worship service online today, they were looking at your stage. And so I just want to thank you guys. Uh, again, you've been with us since the beginning. You're with us even right now. And uh, just a little bit, I'd love to share some of the impact that you've been making uh, there in, on, uh, on the West Side. Whatever it takes to build the kingdom of God, that's what you guys are known for. That's what this series is all about, Spark, Igniting Revival. Uh, whatever it takes, God, use our lives so that people around us would come alive in Jesus. And of course, today's the, the first Sunday right after Thanksgiving. Our, our position here in the, in the year, in the holiday season, uh, helps me with the title of my message today. And it's just simply this, no more leftovers. Come on, somebody. No, no more leftovers. Now, you should know this about me. Uh, whenever I communicate, I love to make it a conversation, not just me speaking, but we're going to be talking together a little bit today. So I'm going to ask you to talk back to me a little bit. Even online, you can type online. You can talk Talk to one another at home. I think it's better and it's more fun if we're talking together. So I need you to look to somebody next to you. Tell them the title of today's message, No More Leftovers. Come on, I'll give you just a quick second to do it. No More Leftovers. Now I need you to turn to your second choice, all right? The person that wasn't important the first time. Come on, No More Leftovers. Type it online, No More Leftovers. 
Listen, it's been a strange year, and I think the, the holiday season, it's going to be great, but there's going to be some strangeness to it as well. Uh, our family did, did not have nearly as large of a gathering as we typically do. It's possibly been the, the same for you. But there's one tradition that I'm, I'm pretty sure was probably in most homes still, and it's this, right? It's the tradition of leftovers. Come on. And we all love leftovers. So the, the, the first couple days, like we love just like whatever it takes, like we're going to take them out, right? Like we love leftovers. But can we all agree leftovers are great if you're eating your leftovers, right? Like when everybody's showing up for the Thanksgiving feast, like they're traveling out of state to come to your house, it's not the day that you clean out the fridge, right? That's not, like you're not getting like yesterday's breakfast and they're like, happy Thanksgiving, guys. <laughs> like it's, it's gonna be good. Or you're not getting like last weekend's frozen pizza that's still sort of there in the back and put it out and saying, guys, come on, feast up. It's gonna be great. No, you're gonna put out your first and your best. Uh, growing up, uh, Thanksgiving was a big deal in, in our home. Uh, we didn't have much, but my mom was uh, given some fine china from her mom and some silverware. And so twice a year, maybe some of you were like this, twice a year, like the nice dishes would come out. You know what I'm saying? It was the fine china. It was the silverware. My mom loved to, to display those, but only twice a year. And she wasn't serving leftovers on the fine china, right? And she was putting out her first and her best. Today's message is no more leftovers. I want to suggest today that as followers of Jesus, far too often, perhaps this year more than most, uh, we give God the leftovers. We have an invitation to uh, intimacy with the Almighty, to have this VIP presence with God. And so often we kind of just get busy with the day, busy with life, and God ends up getting the leftovers. He ends up getting whatever we have left over at the end of the day. In this series, we're looking at being sparks, asking God to ignite revival in us and all around us at work, at home, in our city, and in our state. Asking God to do a work in us that would cause a, a million people, think about that, a million people to get caught up in the love of God. And what I wanna to suggest to you today is that before we look to create a revival, to spark a revival around us, that we would pursue a revival within us that we would say to God, you're not gonna get my leftovers. God, you're gonna get my first. God, you're gonna get my best. We're gonna pursue a revival inside and expect amazing things outside all around us. Jesus has been speaking it ever since the beginning of his ministry, this, this principle of the first. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter six, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we Whereas a lot of anxious people right now, maybe you felt anxious at some, por some point in the past couple of days, weeks, months, probably at some point this year. Jesus says this, the Gentiles, they seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. And he says this, but seek first, seek first. Will you say that at those two words outline, type them online? Uh, seek first, one more time, real loud, seek first. First, I want that to stick in our hearts this week as you're, as you're driving to work, as you're, as you're driving to school, as you're waking up in the house, and you're like, how do I create revival around me? I'm gonna seek first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Even then, 2000 years ago, Jesus knew that we would be consumed with many anxieties and worries. 
If Jesus were speaking to us today, he would say something like, I know you've got a lot of anxiety and worry. You're trying to figure out this world right now and the season that we're in. I know you're trying to figure out when and when not to wear a mask, right? It's a crazy season. You walk into a lunch later on today, you're like, when do we take them off? When do we put them back on? Like you just, you don't know. You're trying to figure out uh, how do we get our kids to school the safest way? Uh, how do we school our children at home if there's e-learning? Uh, how do we navigate this political season? There's a roller coaster economy. It's a tinderbox culture. There's all this stuff going on. And I think Jesus would say, I know you've got many worries, but you can trade in your many worries for just one pursuit. If you would seek me first, I will take care of all of the rest. It's a promise from God. Seek me first and I will take care of everything else. If you seek to aspire a life that would outlive you, that would spark revival in the people around you, Jesus says, you, you got to seek me first. Here's what I'm convinced of. In years of doing ministry, and you know, this is inside the church and out, a lot of people have an idea of the kind of destination they would like to have in life. They have, a, they have an idea of the, the kind of life they want to live, the kind of impact that they want to make. The problem is that for so many people, that their, their decisions, their priorities during the day during the week actually sabotage them from ever reaching their destination. They, they never get around to the kind of life they wanna have because of the priorities that they're making each and every day. I think of it like this. I, I love to travel. Like it's probably one of my all time favorite things to do. I love to travel. When I'm on a trip, I'm already planning my next trip. Like I just, I love, I love to travel. It's what I do. My wife conversely uh, isn't all that big of a fan of the traveling. <laughs> She loves the destinations, but getting there isn't really her favorite thing to do, especially flying. I'm convinced she's never fully put all of her weight on any plane that we've ever flown on over the past almost 20 years. And so when I'm coming up with these grand destinations of like where we're going to go, I've got to first think about the quickest, smoothest, easiest route to get there if I hope to have a happy travel companion on the other side. So whenever I'm planning, let's say I'm planning a trip to London, I'm not saying, hey, we're going to go to Seattle first, and then we're going to make our way to London, right? She'd be angry by the time we got there, anxious and worried the, the, the whole way. We're not going to go to Seattle by way of Miami. No, I'm going to find the quickest way to get there. What's my point? I think for a lot of us, when we look at our destination in life, the decisions we make on a day in, day out basis are actually the equivalent of saying, I want to go to Paris, but I'm going to stop by Alaska on the way. We're, we're sabotaging our journey. And Jesus says, if you want to be a spark of hope in your home, you want to ignite revival in your city, you must be laser focused on your purpose. Would you seek me first? Whatever it takes, just go right after me. And here's, here's what I want to do today. It's really simple, really simple. I want to talk about what does it look like to not give God our leftovers, to seek him first. I'm going to talk about three ways or three reasons why the first is so important to God. I think it could be a light bulb moment for some people as to why the mission of the church is so important today. Then I want to close giving you three ways to seek God first. I want to frame it in the form of prayers. Three prayers you can pray. Well, what I would hope is that you would pray these each and every day between now and the end of the year. Say, God, this is what I want my 2021 to be. If you're ready, I encourage you to write these notes down. Here is number one. Three reasons why the first is important. Number one, God only receives the first. 
God only receives the first. Now, I know that's harsh. Like, won't God like receive any of my gifts, any of my offering? But God wants us to learn the principle of the first. There's something really important about the first. God only receives the first. It's been there since the very beginning. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter four. It says this. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. I need you to say that out loud real quick. An offering. It was okay. This is the 1130 crowd. I have, a, I have, a, I have a, a prediction about late crowds. They're usually the rowdiest. Can you guys like prove me true? That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. On, on the count of three, an offering. One, two, three, an offering. Wonderful. I knew it. I knew it. An offering. That's what Cain brings to the Lord. An offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought to the Lord of the firstborn of his flock. Very different. And of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. There's a significant difference in the offerings that these two men bring before God. One brings, you already said it, an offering. The impression we get is that it was not his first. It was not his best. He gave his leftovers to God, right? It's the equivalent of you have a VIP guest over and you're going to bring them the doggy bag from dinner the night before. Isn't it going to be great? And what did, what did God do? It says that he, he rejected it, but he had regard for Abel. Abel brought the first born and of the firstborn, he brought the best portions. He didn't wait around to see if he was going to have a runt in his litter. No, no, no. He brought the first and his best back to God and God had regard for it. The first thing we need to know is that God only receives the first. He only receives the first. Why? Here's number two. God gave his first. God only receives the first because God gave his first. God expects of us what he did first. In just a moment, I want to fast forward to Jesus, but I want to back up and give some context of why the first is so important to God. God's been teaching us this principle ever since the beginning. You back up to Exodus chapter 13, and God's trying to teach Israel laws of how to follow after him and seek him first, that they would be a distinct nation among all of the other countries. It says this, after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Now, language is incredibly important here. What God is telling them is that this first, it's not yours. It belongs to me. If you hold it back, you're actually robbing me of what's rightfully mine. The first belongs to the Lord. I think we understand this scripture. It's not very hard. Whenever they're a firstborn of, of the livestock was born, they're to offer it back to God. I want to keep going for just a moment. Finish this verse out. The second part's a little trickier, but stick with me. Okay. It says this verse 13, redeem with a lamb, every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. A little trickier verse. If it's going over your head, hang with me for just a second. It's going to make perfect sense. Uh, back in the Old Testament, there were two types of animals, right? There were unclean and there were clean. You might guess that the donkey was unclean. Spiritually speaking, ritually speaking, it was unclean. 
Yet the lamb, you might guess, was clean. So if you were a farmer, you had livestock and you wanted to keep the firstborn donkey, you had firstborn of this unclean animal. God says you can keep it. You might want to use it. Maybe you want to sell it, make profit of it. That's fine. But if you do that, then you need to redeem with it a clean animal. The lamb must redeem the unclean. Do you see it? It's a foreshadowing of about what's about to happen in the New Testament. You've got to give up the clean lamb to redeem the unclean donkey. So let's, let's, let's kind of go forward to present times. Were you and I born clean or unclean? Spiritually speaking, the Bible says we're born unclean. We're not born pursuing God. We're, we're born running away from God. We're born into a fallen, broken, sinful humanity. Spiritually speaking, the Bible says we are unclean when we're born. Jesus, when he's born... Is he born clean or unclean? Clean, right? So what does God do? God says, I want my children. I want to have them. I want, to, I, want to, I want them to be in my presence. I want them to be in heaven with me forever. So I'm going to send my clean, sinless son of God, the lamb of God, to redeem the unclean, sinful humanity. Do you see it? It's been around since the very beginning, this principle of the first. God says, I'm going to send my lamb to redeem those who have not been pursuing me. So then our response needs to be, God, if you send your best, your first to us, what is my response back to you? God only receives the first. God gave his first. Here is the third part. God asked much of the firstborn. God asked much of the firstborn. Now I know some of you are like, whoo, like that's not me. You're talking about my older brother. <laughs> You're talking about my older sister. Like I'm off the hook on this one. Come on. I'm just curious. Like where are the firstborn like in the room? Come on. We're the firstborn. You all think you're special, don't you? <laughs> it's okay. Just giving you your moment. Come on. We're like the middle children, middle children. Come on. Where you at middle children? Like I'm with you. Like you're the really special ones. Like you're just, you're really special. All right. And everybody else, you can just raise your hand just because you're like, what about, what about me? Okay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. But we can keep going. I know some big families. My brother has eight, right? But I'd have to keep going down, going down the line in his family. God expects much of the firstborn. And you might think, well, that's not me. That's somebody else. But what we discover is the Bible says, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the firstborn. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are the firstborn. Again, let me go back to the Old Testament. Give us context. I'll bring us forward. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 21, it talks about the the, the father would give to the firstborn child a double blessing inheritance. It, 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 was, it was called in Hebrew the, the mishpat. Now, I always used to look at this and I was like, I just don't get this. This is sort of like a weird cultural thing. It's like a middle child. I was like, I don't think I like this. <laughs> God, you must have made a mistake in this. But there's actually more going on in the story than just the firstborn getting more. The mishpat is it could be translated as a blessing. It could be translated as a right or privilege. But when it's applied to the firstborn, it's more accurately translated as responsibility. So the father would give the firstborn a double blessing inheritance, a right, a privilege, a, a responsibility to the firstborn. Why? Because when dad was gone, they were given the resources to take care of the rest of the family. It was their job, the firstborn, to take care of the remainder of the tribe. When dad's gone, the firstborn's got to take care of everybody else. So they were given a double blessing of responsibility to take over for dad whenever he is gone. 
Maybe there's some light bulbs starting to turn on for somebody. You fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus is called, Romans chapter eight, Jesus is called the firstborn among many brothers and many sisters. Jesus is the firstborn. God gives Jesus the mishpat, this double blessing inheritance, this responsibility. He sends Jesus and says, I need you to go and take care of my children. But Romans 8 says, among many brothers and sisters. You fast forward to Hebrews chapter 12 and guess what? The church, those who are followers of Jesus are called the firstborn born of God. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we're given the the firstborn double blessing and inheritance, the right, the privilege, the responsibility to go and care for the lost children of God. He's like, I'm going to do a work in your life. I'm going to give you this double blessing, but you can't contain it. It's not meant for you. You've got to go and give it away. You're to go and take care of my lost children and bring them back. What I've done in you, I want to do inside of them. God asks much of the firstborn because God only receives the first and God gave his first. And so our response back is, God, you're going to get my first. There's so much on the line. God, you're not going to get my leftovers. God, you're going to get my first and my best because I want as much as possible on either arm whenever I cross over into eternity. But how do we do it? How do we give God the first and the best? I want to show you three prayers that you can pray to begin living a life that's giving God the first each and every day. Here's number one. God, use my treasure to lift eyes to you. God used my treasure to lift eyes to you. When we see ourselves as stewards of this mishpat, this double blessing inheritance, this responsibility, what we see is we, we give it back to God and God will use it to transform lives. Let's look at Paul's words in his second letter to the church in Corinth. He says this, yes, God will give you much so that you can give away much. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out in a thanksgiving and praise to God for your help. When we see what we have as God's, that we return back to him, we start seeing that God can use our treasure to transform lives. This is one of the things I love most about Mercy Road. You guys are so generous. Can I just tell you for a moment what your generosity has been doing in and through Echo Church over on the west side? I don't say any of this to boast about us. I say it all to boast about you. This is what God has been doing with your gifts. You guys started Multiply Indiana. We were one of the early recipients of, of, of the Multiply Indiana gift, and now we give back to it as well. Over the last three years since we, since we launched, we've seen over 400 people begin a life-saving relationship with Jesus thanks to your gift. Come on, we celebrate God with that. We are a part of two church planning organizations. One, of course, is the Multiply Indiana group that we financially give back to as a church. You gave to us, now we give back. We're also a part of a national church planning organization. So Echo has had the privilege of giving back and helping start 244 other churches. We just wanted to multiply your gifts. In, in, in March, when everything kind of started going backwards, we had a decision to make. We're a three-year-old church. We don't know what's going to happen in, with the economy. Do we start saving or do we start giving? And we weren't really sure what to do, but we just said, listen, God didn't take us out of 2020 because he needs us in 2020. So we're going to be a light. We're going to step forward and just do whatever God needs us to do. And so we just started looking for ways to get back. Just this year, this is what you've been a part of in your gift to us. Our, um, our school administration, we, we, we reached out to them and said, how can we help? You might remember Avon was one 
one of the first to shut down. I think it was the first in the entire state to, to shut down. So we reached out to our superintendent, said, what do, we, what do you need? How can we come alongside of you? And they're like, well, we've got like 80 staffers at the administration center just trying to figure this whole thing out. We've sent thousands of kids home to schools and we're trying to help them. We need everybody to just stay and put. Can you provide lunch so that they can stay here and work? And we're like, we've got it. Like we're going to provide a catered lunch to love on you guys. When they started school back, we're like, what do you need? They're like, we just want to give a gift to our teachers, to our, to our bus workers, to our lunch workers. We just want them to know that, that, they're, that they're loved. And we said, we got it. We're going, to, we're going to give you guys some gifts. We started getting letters from employees that were like, you gave us a gift at just the right time to spark hope in us. And we needed that that reminder. We've been partnering with a domestic violence shelter to flee, to help women and children that are fleeing domestic violence. We've been partnering with a homeless ministry to help homeless families on the, on the West side. We have been a part of stocking uh, all the food pantries in Hendricks County two times over the, the last nine months. And I just want to say to you, Mercy Road, keep praying. God, would you use my treasure to lift eyes to you? Cause I'm telling you, you guys are changing the state of Indiana. You're doing it. Just keep praying, God, whatever it takes, would you use my treasure to lift eyes to you? Here's number two. God, use my talents to serve you. God, would you use my talents to serve you? When, when God designs you, when he fashions you, when he puts you together, he gives you unique abilities, passions, uh, experiences. God will even give you hardships all so that you can use them and minister to others. It's why it's so important when you're walking through the fire of a hardship that you don't run from God, but you run to God because in time, God can use your pain and turn it into purpose. You just keep going after God and saying, God, here's my talents. I'm gonna give them back to you. Again, we're gonna look to the words of Paul in his second letter to Corinth. He says, what a wonderful God we have. He's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. What do we do? God meets us and showers us with his love. We don't hold it in. We, we take it and we use it so others can experience his comfort as well. Would you pray that prayer even right now? God, would you use my talents to serve you? And listen to how God responds. God, how could you use my talents this week? I can tell you this right now. I don't think I've, in my lifetime, ever seen a harder season to lead inside the church. If you have any desire to serve here at Mercy Road, I promise you, there's probably a need on every team. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at school. God, could you use my talents to serve you? And it could be in big things, but I'm telling you, it can be in small things too. God, use my talents to serve you. I remember back to when, before uh, Echo even started, my wife Katie shared a, a, a Facebook post just talking about how uh, we were getting ready to start the church and inviting people on the west side of Indianapolis to, to join us. And uh, one of her friends simply liked the post. You know what I'm talking about, that half a second it takes to like the post? Just like the post. And a friend of that friend, who we had never met before, saw it and they came to our launch day. And within a few months, the friend of a friend's husband, you following this? The friend of a friend's husband from that one simple like became one of the first people we got to baptize at Echo. And it all started with a simple like. Never underestimate what God wants to do with your talents, big or small. God wants to use them to serve him so he can use it to comfort others and build them up. God, would you use my treasure? God, would you use my talents? And here's number three. God, would you use my time to share you? 
God, would you use my time to share you? I think this is at the core of what it means to follow Jesus, to just keep coming back to God and saying, God, whatever I have, it's yours. Would you use it to share you? Once again, let's look to Paul. Paul says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. What a wonderful verse. It speaks so well of what God expects of us. Just take your life, everyday life, and offer it back to him as an offering. God, you get it all. God, everywhere I go today, let me be a light in the darkness. If I'm at school, God, let me be a light. God, if I'm at work, let me be a light. God, if I'm at the grocery store, let me be a light. God, if I'm online, let me be a light wherever I am. And here's what I love about this. It, it, it starts wherever you are. Wherever you are, it's just simply saying, God, use my life to share you. It starts right where you are. I think a lot of people, when they become a follower of Jesus, maybe they hear a story about a missionary, some far off place, and they might be thinking, I mean, God's going to send me to the corners of the earth to become a missionary. And that might be true, but here's what I'm absolutely certain of. God will always call you to be a missionary right where you are, right where you are each and every day. Would you just pray, God, use my time to share you. God, my ultimate desire today is that you would use my life to encourage somebody else, to add value to them, to build them up, to push them closer to Jesus. I remember back several years ago, many years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to, I was a barista at a, um, a, a small local coffee shop over in Terre Haute, Indiana called Starbucks. Maybe you've heard of it, just a small, small little place. And when I started, my goal was, I just want to, I just want to be an encourager to my coworkers. Of course, I wanted to, you know, take care of customers, but I was like, I just want to, I want to build up and encourage my coworkers. I want them to encounter a relationship with Jesus. That was my prayer whenever I started working there. And little by little, uh, all of my coworkers, as I would encourage them, as I'd build them up, as I would champion them, as I was just there and available to them, uh, they would start, they started to recognize that I was a follower of Jesus. And what I was concerned about when I first started was like, how in the world am I going to find a way to bring up Jesus on these shifts that I, that I work? And what I discovered over time is as I built, built them up and encouraged them, I never had to bring up Jesus because literally each and every time I work, they would ask me questions every time. I'd show up and they'd be like, hey, I need some advice on like this situation with my boyfriend. Hey, hey can, you, can you pray with me? I, I'm, I'm walking through this thing with my parents and I don't know what to do. Every time I'd show up, there would be these questions. Except there was just one young man in particular who had zero interest. Uh, he wanted to make it his mission to make sure that I was aware he was living a lifestyle very different from mine. But even him, after a while, when he discovered I wasn't there to judge him, I was just there to encourage him. I was just there to build him up. I was for him. In time, he'd start coming and say, hey, can you pray with me, man? <laughs> I got this thing going on. I just need some prayer. And can I just tell you, I almost fell over one Sunday when he walked into our church. He sat on the front row at the end of the service when the pastor prayed and invited people to begin following Jesus. He raised his hand. I'm telling you guys, it starts right where you are. Right where you are. It's as simple as sharing your story. It's just you in kindness. You're telling your friends, your family, coworkers, classmates, hey, here's where I'm finding hope. Here's where I'm finding joy. One of my favorite pastors, he'll say it like this. He's like, I'm just a beggar telling another beggar where I found the bread. I love that. I'm not pushing Jesus on you. I'm just telling you, this is where I'm finding love. This is where I'm finding hope. He's changed in my life. And I would just, I'd love for you to encounter it. 
You never know how God is going to use where you are as you're sharing your story to encourage someone else. It can be online. Maybe you're, you're, you're here and you go back home and you're just, you just hit the share button. Did you know when you're online and you hit the share button of the Mercy Road Church service that around 100 of your friends, 100 of your friends will be able to join in on the service? It's crazy. Every time you comment and like on Mercy Road stuff on social media, it just goes up into the algorithm on, on social media platforms and more people get to see it. You just engage wherever you are. It starts where you are. You're sharing your story. There's a lot of negativity online. Can we agree? Nobody's going to get mad at you for doing the opposite and being positive, being encouraging. Just say, this is where I'm finding hope. This is where I'm finding encouragement. It starts where you are. It's sharing your story. It's as simple as inviting someone to church. Invite someone to church. There's never been a better time, I'm convinced, to invite someone to church than right now. Now, I recognize some people may not be willing to come into an environment, but listen, there's so many opportunities. Mercy Road is already right where your friends are right now. Most of your friends are probably online right now. You're, you're just telling them, hey, listen, I want to invite you to church. I want to invite you to where I'm finding hope. Back when Echo Church in Avon was about a year old, uh, we met inside of a, a YMCA there on the west side of Indianapolis. And uh, every Saturday night we'd come and we'd, we'd pray and we'd, we'd roll in our equipment just to get ready for Sunday morning. And uh, many times on a Saturday night, there'd be this, uh, this one young man who was a building supervisor and the, the building was, was, was shut. He would let us in and he'd lock the door after we left and he didn't really have much to do while we were there. So I really liked it when he was there because he'd help us. <laughs> and as a young church, we need all the help we can get. But I got the feeling that he did not have a relationship with Jesus. And so every time that we were there together, I'd invite him to church, just in kindness. I'd be like, bro, like, you know where we meet. <laughs> it's like right here, it's where you work. He lived in the neighborhood next door. I was like, man, just come over and join us on Sunday morning. You know what we're about. We'd love to have you. I didn't know if he'd ever come. I vividly remember the Sunday I walked out of our 9 a.m. service. He's standing outside the doors and I'm like, what are you doing here? Are you working today? And he's like, man, I'm coming to the 1030. And I didn't know that there was a lot going on in his life. A lot of personal stuff going on. His life was kind of falling apart. He walked in, he sat in the back row. The whole time I preached, there were just tears rolling down his face. At the end of the message, when I gave an opportunity to begin following Jesus, he raised his hand. And just a few short weeks later, we got to baptize him in the pool that he would clean. Come on, somebody. It starts right where you are. It's as simple as sharing your story. You're inviting someone to church. Be the love and light that people are searching for right now. That's my story. That's my story. I was desperate to know God. I didn't grow up in church. We didn't know anything about Jesus. I was afraid of going to church, if I'm being honest. I didn't trust Christians all that much, but somebody in my, in my life had the courage, a friend had the courage to say, hey, you wanna come to church with me? And I jumped at the opportunity. A few months in, as the pastor was given the altar calls, this old Baptist church, right? We gotta come down front and you kneel. And it was the scariest walk of my life. I walked down front as a 14 year old and I just gave my life to Jesus. I said, God, I need you. A few weeks later, my brother came and in time he did the same thing. Shortly thereafter, our parents and our younger sister came and they gave their lives to Jesus. My family was changed because one person had the courage to invite us to church. I've been in ministry now for somewhere around 20 years, preaching, sharing the love of Jesus, telling people what God's been doing in my life. And so I can't even count the number of people that have been impacted because one person said, do you wanna to come to church with me? Invite somebody. 
You never know how God's gonna use your time, your talents and your treasure to change the world around you. God, you're not gonna get my leftovers. That's just too important. You're gonna get my first and my best. Why? Because you gave your first. And you've given me a double blessing inheritance. God, I'm not gonna waste it. I'm gonna use it so there's as many people as possible on my right arm, my left, walking into eternity with me. No more leftovers. God, you're gonna get my first. Would you pray with me? So Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a good Father. You love us so much that you moved first. You gave your first. When we weren't even looking at you, God, you sent Jesus to die for us. When we give our lives back to you, God, we come alive and you give us that double blessing inheritance, that responsibility of helping as many people as possible experience your love. And so God, we say today, no more leftovers. God, we're gonna seek you first. Would you just pray something like this in your own heart? God, use my time to share you. God, use my talents to serve you. God, use my treasure to lift eyes to you. God, it's all yours. As we continue to pray, I wanna speak to just one particular group. It could be here in person, it could be online. But you recognize today that you have a spiritual need. You recognize that you need Jesus in your life. What does that mean? You recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior and Jesus is that savior. It's believing that Jesus went to the cross for you. He died to take your punishment, but he didn't stay there. He, he rose up from the dead so that you could have new life. And in one moment, one prayer, everything could change for you. If that's you, today you say, today's my day. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to be forgiven. I want to be made new. Would you pray right now? You can pray it out loud at home. You can pray it silently wherever you are. Would you pray something like this? Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I believe you died to forgive me. It was my sins that put you on the cross. Would you say, Jesus, I believe that you rose up from the dead so that I could have new life. And today I'm reaching out for it. God, I'm holding nothing back. Would you give me the strength to follow you for the rest of my days? God, for all of us, God, we say today, no more leftovers. God, you're getting our first, you're getting our best. Lord, these are our prayers, our time, our talent, our treasure. They're all yours. God, we wanna spark a revival in our homes and in our schools and our places of work in our city and in our state. God, would it never be the same? Because God, we trust you with our first. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.